Good morning, church. Patsy Dancy tells of a story when she was a student nurse. Um, She says, you know, the hospital regulations require that a patient leave the hospital in a wheelchair and uh, when they're discharged, of course. She said, however, while she was working there as a student nurse, she, she found out this. She walked into a room and this elderly man was sitting on the bed, completely dressed in a suitcase at hand. And she said, I'm here to take you out of the hospital. And the man said, I don't need no wheelchair to get out of here. She began to explain to him all the regulations and the rules and things like that. He reluctantly said, okay. And they went on the way. On the way down the elevator, she simply asked, oh, is your wife meeting you here today? And he simply said, oh, I don't know. She's still upstairs in the bathroom changing out of her hospital gown. What seemed obvious to this student nurse was wrong. And in our lives, what may seem right to us doesn't necessarily make it right with God. We can think so, and we can even pursue that in our lives, but it doesn't make it right with God always. Therefore, as Christians, we are given a certain guidelines and Certain commands, of course, in God's Word. We're giving His Scripture. He speaks to us through His Word. And it's not to do what we want to do. It is to follow it in total obedience. When one gives their life to Christ, it is a surrender of your will, our will, to God's will. And to know what God's will is, one must study His Word. And when it's found in the Word, we must be obedient to it. And that's our struggle. If you want to grow spiritually, and I know that you do, we all do. There's not a Christian that I don't know that I could ask today, do you want to grow spiritually? They would say, well, of course I do. I I really want to grow spiritually. There's a difference between wanting to do something and actually doing something. I would like to lose 10 pounds. But I've sat around for about a year now saying I would like to lose 10 pounds. Anybody with me? All right. But somebody said I would like to lose 10 pounds and they actually put it into action And this past year, you've been able to lose your 10 pounds. Congratulations. We are like that in our Christian walk as well. William Bradford said these words. He said, those who believe in the Holy Scripture are bound to observe its teachings. Those who do not are to be bound by its consequences. Oh my. We've been in this uh, series of messages, if you've been here, if not, you've missed the beginnings of the first nine or ten messages that we've had on this, but it's a, it's a series about spiritual growth in our lives. <clears throat> a few weeks ago, we, we were talking about spiritual growth through agreement. One has to come into an agreement with God to receive what God has for their life. You have to come into an agreement that Jesus Christ paid your debt. 
If you don't come into an agreement with that, you will not find salvation. You can't. And so it is important for us to come into an agreement with God's Word because a coming into an agreement aligns us up to receive what God's Word says we will receive or the blessing, the success that we desire in our lives. However, without obedience connected to the agreement, the blessing can be missed. And oftentimes what we do is we wonder as Christians, why? Why that person and not me? Why them and not me? How has it missed me this time again? And when that happens, many, the truth is, many drop out because they say it didn't work for me. I gave that one a shot, but it didn't work for me. And all of us in this room know someone in our family, probably not even extended family, you probably know someone in your family that has done precisely that. They gave it a shot, so they say, but they dropped out because they said it didn't work for me. To state that you are faithful and not obedient is an oxymoron. Can't happen. Obedience is not an easy thing. Adam and Eve were given one assignment of what not to do, and they did not obey, and the rest is history. Their son, Cain, disobeyed. The Israelites could not enter into the promised land because they disobeyed. If you go down the list and keep working it, even their spiritual leader, Moses, was not able to enter into that land because of his disobedience. Jonah disobeyed. King Saul disobeyed. King David disobeyed. Solomon, the greatest of all in wisdom, disobeyed. And the list grows every single day. And I'm included. In Titus chapter 1 and verses 15 through 16, and I use this translation this morning, this new century version. Look at it in your NIV, King James. But to those who are pure, all things are pure. But to those who are full of sin and do not believe, nothing is pure. Both their minds and their conscience have been ruined. They say that they know God, but their actions show they do not accept Him. They are hateful people, they refuse to obey, and they are useless for doing anything good. Pretty hard words. But they hit the target. And when I read that, sometimes I find myself in that category, and I, I certainly don't find myself pure all the time, but I don't find myself either. I don't look at myself as saying that I'm useless for doing anything good. But in that category, sometimes we get in the mix. You see, if you stay around something long enough, you're probably going to smell like it. Isn't that right? And if you're around things long enough that you know that are not right in God's eyes, you're probably going to participate in it. And therefore, we begin that downward spiral of being disobedient to God. It usually starts in a very small, subtle way in our lives. And we'll get to that in a few moments. The question for us becomes this. Do we want to be found on the list of those that are obedient or on the list of those disobedient? Because every single one of us have a choice every single day to be obedient or to be disobedient. Now, we often run that off on our teenagers. 
little kids, we kind of overlook it. Sometimes we correct them and all those things and they're little and stuff. When teenagers, they just go wicky wacky. I don't know what the deal is. Right. And so they're disobedient. They can look at you and you can say, well, listen to me. Listen to what I'm telling you. This is what I want you to do. And this is what you're going to do. And what are they doing the whole time? They are nodding their head up and down as though they are understanding everything that you say. And you know, good and well, they didn't hear a word you said. Anybody? If you don't have teenagers yet, all you people out there that have these little bitty babies, yeah, rock my baby. Boy, it's more like, I don't know what's going on here as they grow up. It is the reason for that is because our nature is to be disobedient. It's a battle. And it's a big battle in our lives. There is no doubt. Without obedience, you cannot grow spiritually. It is impossible to grow spiritually without obedience. You can't do it. It's like canoeing up Niagara Falls. Imagine that. Hey, look what I'm doing. That ain't happening, right? And it's not going to. The prime ingredient of our spiritual growth is obedience. It's a prime ingredient. It's one of the first on the list. You know, you get a can of soup and you look on there, Campbell's uh, chicken noodle soup, first thing. You know, you'd think chicken noodle soup, the first ingredient would be what? Uh, It's not, is it? But my point is, as we look at our lives, our first ingredients, if we were to list or wear a list, one of the ingredients really close to the top has to be obedience. What's your ingredients say? Where on your list is the ingredient obedience? It's a good question. Because we all have to ask ourselves that question often. Where is it falling in place today? Obedience can only be accomplished through discipline. It's the only way it happens. It is because it fights against our nature. It's against our nature again. The force of your nature, the force of your nature cannot be overcome through willpower alone. You can't, you can't do it. It just doesn't happen. You may have a strong willpower and be able to give up particular things. You may say, hey, I gave up smoking. Good for you. That's strong willpower. A lot of people can do that. But others yet struggle with that their entire lives. Others of you may have dealt with drink, and maybe it's been that struggle in your life. And But yet, some of you were able to move past that because of this strong willpower. I... I said no, and I mean no, and it's no, and it's no. But others struggle with that on a daily basis or a weekly basis, a monthly basis. It doesn't mean that they're bad people. That is their struggle. And in our lives, it's the same in our obedience as well. And then through that process, we need to understand that. It is the nature within us that beats against us. And that force is strong for us to be disobedient. And we'll point out some reasons why, setting the stage. Now, as Christians, we are and always should be in pursuit of obedience. Our pursuit should be obedience to God. Why should it be obedience? Well, notice I didn't say perfection. Christ is the perfect one. Always has been, always will be. 
He's our target, but our pursuit has to be obedience because none of us in this lifetime will be perfect. So if your target is to be perfected, perfect in something, you will always miss it and you'll always feel as a failure. But if your pursuit is Christ, which is through obedience, that you know that you are covered even when you fail and you take the drink or you do things that you know you're not supposed to do. It's important. How do we come to that conclusion? Our obedience is even more important than sacrifice. Scripture says in First Samuel 15, and that's important. Sacrifices are important, but obedience is much better, the Scripture teaches. To be obedient. Oh, I gave and I did and I was and this is what's going on. And boy, look what I've done. Good for you. But are you obedient? Uh, well, not always. Well, welcome to the crowd. Someone has said it this way, and I don't know who, and I, I, I don't know who to give credit to. But said it this way, obedience is the practical acceptance of the authority and the will of God. It includes both submitting to him and then expressing that submission in actions, words, thoughts, and deeds. Anything short of absolute obedience to God is disobedience. Your son or your daughter that you told to do such and such and so and so, these are the things, and you say, this is the list, one, two, three, four, five, and want you to do those five things. They do one, two, three, four, one, two, three. They come back and they simply say, well, I did one, two, and three. But did you do all of them? No, I did not. Then you were disobedient. See how it works? God understands that in our life that we struggle with these things, but obedience brings closeness. It brings us closer to God. When we're obedient as children, we're obedient to our parents, what does it do? It brings us closer to our parents because they can give us a little more trust. They give us a little more leeway. I just know that I can trust him. I just know that I can trust her. And that's what God does with us. But disobedience, what? Pushes us further away. That trust factor begins to be broken. And then when that's broken, it's hard to get back. Ever break the trust of someone? It's hard to get that trust back. And the more often it happens, the harder it is to get it back. Isn't that right? Shake your head up and down. When we become vulnerable, then we are susceptible to the things of life that Satan has for us. People become lethargic. Yeah, whatever. They become lazy. Oh, give me another one. Or they become sick, ill, and then terminal. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. And it's all due in that process because of disobedience in our life disobedience will drive you to a weak state of mind. And in that disobedience, when you're weak, you are susceptible then to what? The illnesses that Satan wants you to have. And his ultimate goal is to kill you, to destroy you, terminally ill. Some Christians are terminally and have allowed themselves to be terminally ill not because of what God has done, but because of what they haven't done in their obedience to God. In other words, they become disobedient. 
they get weak, and before it happens, they become terminally ill. Again, we all know individuals that are not here today, even at Western Hills, in every congregation, Grace Fellowship right up the hill. First Assembly, First Baptist, doesn't matter. Go to any congregation you want to, and I promise you the pastor or those people that stand before them, the elders, the shepherds, whatever they're, they're mentioned there, and they will tell you that they, they became weak, they became ill, and they became terminal, meaning they left completely. And it's sad. And it is because in that process, through that, they become, they were disobedient. Many will simply say this, and I've heard them all. Many will say, well, it's because people didn't like me there. It's because they didn't care for me. Others don't care about me at all. The church is judgmental. The services are boring, and the preacher is really boring, and the list goes on and on and on. Well, the truth is, some of that might be truth. Some people may have not reached out enough. That's why we have to guard ourselves. That's why we take a moment to welcome. That's why when we're dismissed, we should be going to see and helping each other, responding to each other with love, lifting each other up. But in this process, it's true that some may not care for you. It's true that some services can be a little different. And it's true that sometimes preachers, I said some preachers, could be boring. But if you will look at the root problem, why they are not here, you will find the root problem is disobedience. It always works that because it lies upon the person. In Matthew chapter 7, verse number 21, the scripture says, Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth does the will of my Father which is or who is in heaven. See, our obedience leads to our spiritual accomplishments. And our disobedience leads to our spiritual failures. It's really that simple. Take Joshua, for instance, in the Old Testament. You know his story quite well, I'm sure. Joshua's one of, I know it's probably Mike's favorite character of the Old Testament, but nonetheless, is a wonderful character to look at. Joshua, in this time of following, and the Israelites are moving out, headed for the promised land, but man, they have to take a 40-year walk around a tree. 21-day journey took them 40 years. Holy, man, that was one slow vehicle. And it was all because of their disobedience. So he saw firsthand what was actually going on there. And through that disobedience of what they were not able to have, So when God told him that it's his turn, Joshua, I've chosen you to replace Moses. And it's your turn to move my people now into the promised land. Now Moses has died, and in verse number 2, it begins in chapter 1 of Joshua. It says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Listen to me. All of God's promises are true. If he's given you a promise and you don't take it, he'll give it to somebody else. Because all of his promises 
are true. How many promises have you missed in your life that God gave you, but because of your disobedience, you missed that one? Quit looking at other people in your life and simply say, man, I want that one. Take the one that God has given you. Be obedient. Watch it come about for your life. It's a whole other story, another lesson, but I just thought I'd insert that, a free message. No extra charge on the, your attendance today. All right. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Isn't that reassuring? Now, he had already told Moses that, and now he's telling Joshua that. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's good news. It's good news for us as well, because it's the same thing he tells us in the New Testament. But you have to believe it. You have to come into an agreement with it. And then be obedient, and then you watch the outcome. This all works together. It's like pieces of puzzle. Watch. In verse number 7 is some of the things that we say about him. We simply say this. We say, be strong and very courageous. He tells him that many times, just in these very few verses. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. In other words, if you will be obedient to what I my instructions were, you're going to be protected and blessed beyond compare. Who wants that for your life? Give me an amen. All right. Now, we got to get it to us. The, the promise of God in that statement was proven by Joshua's life lived out of obedience, through obedience. Just read the rest of the story. Now, the same will happen for us as individuals. This is the good point. It will happen for us as individuals and or collectively as a body of Christ, a church that meets at a particular place. It will happen. God's promises will be proven through our walk of obedience. All of our blessings from, from since 1963 until now in 2018, if you go back and you look at the history of Western Hills Church of Christ, the blessings that came through those moments were all because of obedience. And every one of the downfalls, every one of the hitches, and there were many, as they are in all churches, remember that. There's no perfect church. Why is there no perfect church? Because we're in it. Right? But in those pitfalls, downfalls, slow downs, backwards, roam around a tree for a little while, that we even have gone through and may even face in the future, will always be connected to one thing, which is disobedience truth. This is why we need each other. You've heard the old saying, one bad apple. Somebody's listening to this in a few weeks and they're going, what? One bad apple. Sounded good. It spoils the whole bunch. And it can, can it? We'll see if there's sin in the camp. We'll get to that in a few weeks. But there's sin in the camp. It spreads. Again, if you're around something long enough that stinks, guess what? You're going to stink. And that's what sin does. This is why it's important for you to be obedient in your walk with God. And for me to be obedient in my walk with God. It keeps the body healthy. 
And when we have to put out fires here and there and here and there because of disobedience, whether it's the, the, the minister or the shepherd or the deacon or any one of us, it takes away from what God wants us to have. We wander around a tree a little bit longer. And God doesn't want that for us. Because in God, in Christ, there is forgiveness of sin. Get the forgiveness, walk in obedience, get the blessing. Okay? All right. Got off track, but you needed that one too, I said. All right. Jesus in Matthew gave us an assignment. It's an assignment. It's called our mission statement. It's the mission statement of all Christians. Or it should be. And in this one, we, we, we kind of know it by heart. It's Matthew chapter 28. Go ahead. And in this one, it says, Then Jesus came to them and he simply said, All authority, not some, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So where is all authority given? To Jesus, right? All right. All authority. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So he's telling us he's going to be with us to the very end, and he will be. But he's telling us in this process that we are to be obedient. We are to do his will. We are to study his word. And we are to walk in obedience to his word as we come into an agreement with it. Our accomplishments will come if we do what God has commanded us to do, not what man thinks is best. The disaster that we face, the disasters that we may face individually or collectively as a church can always be tracked back again to disobedience. So here's the question. Why do so many choose to stay in disobedience? If I was doing a lectureship, this would be a whole class setting because there's so many areas that I could go into. But I want to give you three. Why do we stay in disobedience? Why is it that so many Christians walk in disobedience and stay there? Because we all are disobedient. First of all, let's get that one out there, okay? All have fallen short. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's me. Understand? But why do we choose to stay there? Here's, here's a couple of those. My help. Number one, first and foremost, it's the easiest one, is because we want to. Pleasure. We crave pleasure in our life. We do. Oh, yes, we do. Yes, we do. And yes, we do. We crave pleasure. Our society promotes an attitude of, if it feels good, do it. Don't worry about the consequences. Is that true or not? It is true. Why do we say that? We say that because we have removed the consequences. So we think. We have written laws to remove the consequences of sin, thinking that somehow that has taken care of them. Oh my, aren't we good? I don't like that one. I'm like, I like doing that one, so I don't like that. We just mark that one out. That's like the lady that said, that doesn't say that in my Bible. The preacher said, yes, it does. She said, no, it doesn't. He said, yes, it does. She said, no, it doesn't. He said, how do you know that? She says, I ripped it out. We have written laws to remove the consequences of sin, thinking that somehow it's going to take care of it. The only problem with that, it doesn't work with God. Listen, we might adjust the consequences to our sin to ease our conscience or our guilt feeling, but God has not and never will. That's the first thing. Number two, 
The reason why we stay there is because of comfort. <sighs> I like my comfort zone. Anybody like your comfort zone? You ever hear that before? I like to be comfortable. I like to be comfortable in my life. We love comfort. Therefore, we often refuse to leave our comfort zones even when God is prompting us. This is for maturing Christians. L- listen, listen closely. When you become a Christian, God doesn't save you so you can sit in a pew, take a cracker and a juice and go home. God saves you for his kingdom to be his kingdom workers. We're to be about something. Look at the bees, look at the ants. They're always doing something. So he relates that to us as Christians in his kingdom to be doing something. If you don't work and you're an ant kingdom, you're out. That's right. It happens. Bees, you're out. But God says, I want you to be these workers in the kingdom. But sometimes we get in these comfort zones and we feel as though that's where we want to be. For instance, I'll give you three little simple samples of comfort. Comfort, we are comfortable in our giving. That's true. We're going to talk about that one in a few weeks. Giving. I'm not going to tell you what week we're going to talk about giving. Because if I do, well, you know what I mean. All right, here we go. I can't believe he's going to talk about that this week. All right, but we are comfortable in our giving. I like to give my $20, $50, whatever it is. I like to give that. So I'm not giving more. I'm comfortable there. I'm comfortable with that. I don't really look at it. I don't really think about it. That's just what I do. And if you do that, you're not growing spiritually. You should always be looking at that. You should never be comfortable in that, ever. Why? Because God has given it all. So watch, comfortable, comfortable in our attendance. I like going to church, Easter, Christmas, or when once in a while, when I want to go, and I'm okay with that. Don't judge me, it'll be all right. I'm not judging you. That's not my place to. I love it when you're here. I don't like it when you're not here. But we don't attend often because we're comfortable with, well, yeah, it's pretty convenient today. I'll, yeah, okay. Comfort zone. Comfort zone of what? Volunteering. We see something that needs to be volunteering. I like not volunteering, so what do we do? Someone else can do it. Someone else has to fill that void. Let them take care of it because I'm comfortable because I've done it most of my life. Let somebody else handle it. Thirdly, change. Change. Not change in your pocket, but change in life. Change is often a hard thing to do for many people. It is. And so therefore, we choose not to put forth the effort to change even when God is prompting us to change. Change our attitude, the way we look at particular things in our lives, to change our language, to change our giving habits, whatever those things are. We don't like to change. We kind of like it like that. It really leans itself more to that comfort, doesn't it? We want growth spiritually, but we have not adjusted anything in our lives to make that happen. For instance, all of these messages that we've been giving on spiritual growth, there's a list of them out there in the foyer. There's very few left, and I'm going to print some more this week. But have you been keeping up with those to help you change or help you grow spiritually? You say, well, I I tried that, but it didn't work. We'll try again today. Start today. Look at that list. I think there's nine or ten on there already. And you look at those things and go back and do that. That'll help you. 
grow spiritually. That's why we're giving these to you. That's why it's important. Dr. Charles Stanley said it right. He said, define obedience in action. He said, obedience is doing what he says, when he says, how he says, and all he says. And that's true. Stubborn Christians lock their heels and they say, I will not be moved. We sing that song, didn't we? I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Like a tree planted by the water. Somebody is just cracking up on their CD. I shall not be moved. Yay, rah, rah. You know, it's okay, and I don't, God doesn't want you to be moved in your faith in Him. But when God gives you directions or prompts you to move spiritually, we should be more than willing to move because it is a blessing that's connected to the movement of God in our lives. Period. Totally surrendered Christians are willing to be moved by what God says and where He says go, even when we don't like it. Too many Christians are more divine by the crossed arms than they are the cross of the Christ. That sounds like a Billy Graham quote, doesn't it? But it's right on target. There's a strange, dangerous teaching or thought pattern, whatever you want, phenomenon, philosophy, or whatever, that's going around in our world today, and it teaches this. It's quite simple. It sounds really good. Religion that does not adjust you spiritually is not religion. Or maybe it's just religion. And it's not spiritually connected. It teaches us that you can be a Christian and not be obedient to God. Did you know that? That's that's a teaching. That you can be a Christian and not be obedient to God. Or just be obedient to what you want to be obedient in. The philosophy that teaches that you can't, or the philosophy teaches that you can just add Jesus when you want and it's okay. That you can just add him to the things you want to in your life and you can subtract him in the things and he's okay with that. Where do you read that in scripture? He is either the Lord of your life or he's not. God demands that we be obedient to him. Why? Because he is a righteous and a jealous God. But his jealousy for us is so that we will be pure before him. When, for when someday he tells his son, Jesus, go and get your bride. Here's the challenge. Somebody was looking for it. So here it is for today and we'll finish. Thank you for your patience. Let me make this statement as we begin it. I believe that if you will read God's Word, and that if you pray for Him and His guidance every day, and I believe that that's what you do, that He will speak to your spirit, to your heart in some way. I believe that with all my heart, because I know He does mine. Our God is not a silent God. Some people will make you believe that. Oh, He's just... No. God speaks in volumes. He may not choose to speak audibly. Now, that does not mean that he can't. I will not limit my God. However, he speaks if we will listen. If we will listen. The challenge. The challenge is this. Don't hesitate. Don't hesitate when he speaks to you. Just be obedient. But the faster you're obedient to his 
calling in your life, the better off you're going to be. Trust me. The longer you wait, the longer you put it off, the less you'll hear from God. Watch. If He speaks, here's a couple of things that might help you just this week, just little things. If He challenges you this week, and He puts on your heart someone, He calls it to mind, you can be at your office, at work, home, wherever, and all of a sudden this person just, poof, they come to your mind for a reason. If you can stop right then, text them, call them, do something to let them know that God had placed you or them on your heart and that you're praying for them and just in a little encouragement. It could be just simple as thinking about you, praying for you. Have a blessed day, put a big smiley face on it. Just that simple. Do it right then. Because who in this room doesn't like to get an encouragement from somebody? Huh? And especially somebody that you don't really know that close. Huh? I can't believe it. She's, he's thinking, she's thinking, I can't, wow, that was really nice. I tell Donna that often. I'll get a text and she says, who was that? And I'll say, and, and I'll say, wasn't that really nice? It was really nice. I get some texts that I don't really care for and I don't tell her about it, but I wish they would have hesitated, but they didn't. But nonetheless, I'm just kidding. And in that, you all love me. But if he, now, if he places on your heart, just do it. Call them. Here's another one. If he places on your heart, because these things will come. If he places on your heart to bless someone that you know needs help with a pain, a bill, or just a little money offering, a $5 little Sonic card, or whatever, just a little gift. Or a big gift. Whatever he puts on your heart. Just do it. Don't hesitate. Just give it. Don't worry about the outcome. All you got to do is say, God just placed it in my heart. You don't even have to tell him who it's from. Give it to somebody else to give to him. You say, somebody gave me this to give to you. I don't know why. Hey, it's just good. Give him free money away. Go to church. But in that, don't hesitate. Give it. Here's another one. Last one. If he places on your heart, when you read these bulletins, these programs that we put out, when you read these, and it says down here and somewhere, and it talks about, hey, volunteers, you can sign up, see Janice or see Robbie or see so-and-so, whatever. There's a reason why that's in there. When you read that, or do you read that, but when you read that, does it move in your heart? If it moves in your heart, you, you need to say to someone, who is this Janice lady? Who is this person? I want to get in touch with them because for some reason, God's put that on my heart. I can't do everything, but I can do something. And if I do something, I know I'll be walking in obedience because God's placed it on my heart. These are things that will help us grow spiritually, I promise you. And by doing so, I promise you that the blessing that you will receive in doing them will be greater than the blessing that you give every time. Because that's how God moves within us. And wouldn't that be nice? So I wonder this week if you're going to get a text. I wonder this week if you're going to get a $5 certificate. I wonder if this week you're going to get a blessing somehow, some way. Here's the greatest way to get one. Give one. Be obedient to what God speaks to your heart. Maybe you're here today and you have a prayer request. Be obedient. If God is putting that on your heart to come forward, we'll pray with you and for you right here. If God has placed on your heart that you need to receive Him as Lord and Savior, today is the day. Be obedient. Step out in faith and receive salvation for yourself. Whatever your need is, we stand to help you today. So you come together as we stand and sing.